Hello and welcome to the Managing Uncertainty Podcast. This is Brian Strausser, Principal and Chief Executive here at BrightPath. And this is Bray Wheeler, Senior Consultant here at BrightPath. So in this week's episode, number 171, we're going to do a little bit of a dialogue, a role play back and forth here where Bray is going to play the role of a Chief Security Officer who has decided they need a safety, a travel safety and security program, and I'm going to play my normal role as the CEO here at BrightPath. But the whole purpose of this is we want to emphasize a very important point, and that is that in whatever you're doing, we're trying to solve a problem. You're trying to get back to the strategy of the organization. And that's what we're going to play out for a few minutes here in kind of this back and forth. So I will, I will turn it over to Bray. Well, hi, Brian. How are you? Wonderful. So I am the... You know, to sort of set the table here, I'm the CSO um, of a university, and I've been asked by our board of trustees to set up a sort of travel security program, I think. Um, we don't really have much, um, but we do have, we've had some incidents, and so we'd like to explore sort of what that, what that would look like and what that would entail. Um, so really looking kind of on a fact finding conversation here with some different different folks to understand what that might entail and what we should be thinking about. How about you call me when you get things figured out? No, I'm just kidding. Exactly. <laughs> so um, that's great, Bray. So tell me why you think you need a travel safety and security program. Well, part of it is because I've been told um, that that's what, that's what we need, but we've also had you know, a handful of incidents where, you know, students don't feel super comfortable or, you know, we've had a medical thing here or there, but just based on the world that it is today, the board of trustees thinks that this is something that we need to put into place. Well, tell me a little bit about the incidents that you have had. I assume this has to do with travel. People not, these are not incidents that are happening on campus. It's happening when they're traveling for yeah. studies or for an event, offsite event or something like that. Yeah, completely off campus type stuff. Um, you know, the few incidents we've had is, you know, we've had a few students be, you know, robbed, at, you know, at gunpoint, at knife point, you know, on the street in some different locations. We're in, in some, in the U.S., in some other countries? Uh, other countries. So okay. we're in Asia, Europe. We have a little bit in kind of North Africa, kind of the Mediterranean area. Okay. Um, but, you know, sort of the, the typical street crime type of things, plus, you know, adding in a, a weapon here or there to that. Um, you know, fortunately, nobody's been hurt in any of these incidents. We have had some students be kind of followed back to their dorms or the the places that they're staying um, that have made them uncomfortable. But again, we haven't really had anything. I think the big notable probably issue that prompted this was we had a professor get sick in China and just due to some of the COVID regulations and stuff like that, plus Very kind of navigating yeah. China, it caused some issues in terms of getting getting good care to that professor. What did you wind up doing for them? So it was pretty clunky. Uh, from a travel security standpoint, you know, we sort of orientated and kind of helped get them some internal resources, but largely it was sort of taking care with, you know, our, you know, our HR teams with the professor to try and 
get them some resources through benefits and stuff, but it really wasn't a, wasn't a great experience. We lost track of them at certain points just because communications can be an issue there. Um, so it wasn't a great sort of experience. And we definitely heard feedback both from the professor and their family and the department and things like that. What, um, so when, when these students are traveling elsewhere, what, like you have some campuses elsewhere, is that, or you've got some kind of joint ventures with other universities or a little both, or what is that? A little bit of both. Uh, we have sort of some own facilities in South Korea, uh, and then one in, uh, Hungary, but for the most part, the rest of sort of those spaces are kind of joint ventures. So, you know, Croatia, Egypt, China. Definitely have some more challenging locations in some of those. So do you have security staff there or no? We do not. You don't? Okay. No. So we have nobody on <clears throat> nobody on site from kind of a university standpoint. Some of the joint locations have some contract sort of services there mm-hmm. um, just to maintain facility control, but most of that is local sort of contract. Do you have a provider today that can provide medical and security capability at these locations for you if something happens? We do not. Okay. So you don't have any kind of capability today? Nope. For this? We do not. And when you've had these things happen in the past, what kind of attention did that get from university leadership? Um, the professor situation certainly got a lot of attention just given that it was a staff member. Um, you know, some of the kind of stocking esque, you know, or situations where particularly some of our female students have felt uncomfortable have gotten a little bit of attention just because that tends to bubble up within the university, you know, by word of mouth and gets passed around. So there's a little bit more attention paid to that, but ultimately there's not, there's not huge visibility, huge eyes on a lot of these situations. There's just a lot of piecemeal or siloed kind of views on it. Where do you expect things to go with the university in the future? Like if you if you're looking at the organization, your university's kind of mission, vision, strategic objectives for the next few years, do you think there'll be more? Like do you anticipate this kind of international travel is going to increase in the future? Yeah, it's definitely going to increase. Part of what our sort of future-facing kind of vision and strategy is to expand sort of our global presence, um, you know, to sort of get students out of the classroom a little bit and get them more, you know, out into the world and experiencing different cultures and understanding different different ways of life. Um and really kind of integrating that into their education. So we, it is definitely a priority for us to kind of shift in that direction. So we're looking at, you know, very much an expansion in Europe because it's, you know, it's, it's the easiest to sort of accommodate, but we're also looking, you know, to Asia to still the Middle East and a little bit into South America as well. We have very limited presence there, but that's, that will likely expand here in the next three to five years in particular did or, or um, when you think about your organization's priorities, the university's priorities, where does student 
and faculty, staff, safety and security rank? Like, how do you talk about that as an organization at the high levels? Uh, that's a great question. Um, honest answer, probably not nearly enough, but it definitely is folded in, you know, certainly local U.S. campus security is definitely, can definitely become a concern um, during certain moments or certain times of the year, homecoming, start of the year, end of the year, um, you know, those sorts of moments. But ultimately, you know, it's not one of, I wouldn't say it's one of the top five questions that gets necessarily asked at any given moment, um, whether that's international or even maybe domestic Mm -hmm. locations. It's just not, might be in the top 10, but it's not the top five. So you might have an opportunity just in how this is messaged, right, around the need for travel safety and security and maybe some broader, like, because what I'm hearing from you, Bray, as we talk through this is that having a travel safety and security program might just be one tactic of many in a strategy to ensure student, faculty, staff safety internationally for the university. Yeah, probably. I think that's, you know, I think that's a good way to sort of frame that. I think as a, as an organization, we're definitely looking at, you know, wanting to, you know, make sure that we're given the right instructions, that we're, you know, creating the right phone numbers for people to call, that, you know, we have the, you know, the right tips and tricks for, you know, a student to, to understand as they go and they travel. Um, you know, definitely want to, you know, understand what maybe some of the, the local happenings or incidents are, you know, really kind of looking at all the, you know, real kind of tactical and operational pieces to make sure that we're, you know, we're making this real for, you know, those students and staff, you know, as they're traveling, because we want to make sure that they, our job as security is to make sure that they feel safe and secure and they feel comfortable. So sort of starting to dive into how do we make that real for them? So here, I think you've, You've laid out the objective. The objective is we need the team, student, and by team I mean students, faculty, staff that are traveling outside the United States or that are working at these other campuses and joint ventures. We need them to both feel safe, the perception, and actually be safe, the strategy, so to speak, the reality of that. And not just that you need a travel safety and security program, but you need all of the things that kind of reinforce that strategic objective for the organization. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, you know, we definitely, we definitely want to make sure that we're we're sort of staying true to who we are as an organization in terms of you know fostering a safe learning environment that we're able to put our students and staff out into the world. You know, but you know, as a security team, you know, just really wanting to understand that we know who's where, we know sort of what's happening around those locations that, you know, there's good sort of 911 type contact information for them to use and that, you know, our staff knows what to do to sort of provide that right help, that they're getting good medical care, all that kind of, all those things that would fold into, you know, a probably a program like that. 
Okay, so we're going to step out of character because we kind of got back to the strategy here. Yep. Right? I think the the message we wanted to use with this episode is that, because we just went through a conversation recently with a client. It wasn't a university. It was a different conversation. But um, what we're trying to get at is if you come to a consultant, you might come to a consultant because you have, like, you need a solution and this consultant provides a solution. So in this case... We were asked about a travel safety and security program. And the answer is yes, we would be really happy to build that for you, but tell us why. Why do you need this? What's the strategy? Because we want to build and prepare the right solution for the organization. And we found in this conversation that the client couldn't get back to the strategy because they hadn't thought about it. Yep. And at the end of the day, they didn't need just a travel safety and security program they needed the ability for folks traveling internationally to be safe and to feel safe and feel connected to the organization when they were traveling, when they were way out on the tip of the spear, so to speak, tip of the spear, so to speak. In some of these countries, selling the things that they sell in these environments, and they didn't feel that. And that was the real need. That was the underlying problem. And then you can develop a strategy to, you know, put the calamine lotion on the itch. But yes. you, first, you got to know what the itch is. Yeah, you don't want to go putting hot sauce on the poison <laughs> ivy. Like you want to, you want to be smart about what it is that you're doing. And you know, I think we're using, you know, to your point, we're using travel security as sort of the example here. But you know, this has also come up in in other conversations with clients here recently too, where they're really focusing on solutioning something and not understanding what the problem is to be able to apply the right calamine lotion, you know, that really driving back towards, yeah, that's great. That piece of technology might do that thing for us, but why do we need it to do that? And what is it that we're trying to what are we getting at? What are we getting at? How is it a force multiplier for us? How is it making it more efficient? Because that's really what the technology is doing. But if you don't understand what it's supposed to be doing, you're just, it sort of goes back to, you know, this, this idea that, you know, I, somebody brought up on a recent podcast, uh, business of authority, where it's, you know, you're sort of just collecting tools rather than applying the right tools. And so, you know, are you, in this sense, we're, we're talking about lotion, but, you know, are you trying to hammer something that you really need to saw and understanding what it is that you're doing makes all the difference in terms of how you then take your next steps? Because yes, you could probably beat something in half, but wouldn't it have been easier to understand that we just needed to cut it in half and just do that instead of exerting a whole bunch of time and energy trying to just break it in half with a hammer and to I think, be on I, that metaphor more. I think this is where, this is where I think resilience professionals get lost too, is that we're also action driven that we head for the solution. Yep. Right. We head right for the solution instead of taking the time to talk about what is the problem? What are we trying to solve? What are we trying to solve for here? And what? How does this connect to the organization's broader strategy? And once you know the answers to those two questions, then you can go, oh, my solution doesn't look like this. It looks like this yep. and this and this. 
and it helps us see that bigger picture. Yeah. And I would say, you know, especially on like, you know, the consulting side of the house, it's a fair, it's a fair, I guess, critique for a lack of a better, lack of a better word. Um, you know, that this is our space. So we're, we're driving towards, oh, you have a travel security problem. You have a crisis management problem. Yep. We're already kind of thinking down, sort of understanding what the problem and the strategy might be that it's important for us to take a step back. And so oftentimes, you know, all of us, you know, especially here are having that conversational internally of sort of checking each other going, okay, back up. What was the problem? you know, even though we're sort of tracking along and it's really important to get the client there in that conversation, because if you don't have them there, they're not experts in really any of these spaces more than likely. And so they're very lost without sort of understanding the journey you're about to bring them on. What other advice would you give at this point? I'm not sure if there is I'm not sure what else I would say. We've we've kind of tied it back to the strategy element and about solving the problem. What else? How would you wrap it up, right? You know, I think the other things to think about are the the other sort of common ideas that that tend to come up. You know, when we're having these conversations, is you know, do we apply? Do we sort of use a component of what we're trying to build as sort of a case study or test case or, you know, proof of concept to what it is that we're trying to create more broadly around the strategy. And I think in some sense that can work, but that's probably far less often than really focusing in on that strategy and the problem first. If you are going down any of those roads, it's, you know, it's around setting maybe some baseline things, the temporary band-aids that you know are going to fold up into an eventual strategy that apply just the right amount of calamine calamine, um, without sort of relieving the entire itch, um, but giving that temporary relief so that they can make a more informed decision or they can better understand something that's going on. Those certainly have, that certainly has value in some cases, Um, you know, but really it, it really is all about bringing them back, understanding and, p- and sort of picking up some of the nuances that they're sharing and maybe some of the tactical and operational solutioning that they're doing that can benefit you later. But it really is sort of bringing them back and asking them the why questions and having them understand the problem. Because ultimately that allows you to understand the problem. And I think like we've always said, and I think we've reinforced it here, a lot of this always comes back to how do you tie back the thing that you're trying to do to your organization's strategic objectives? The way to gain credibility as the leader of a support function, resilience, crisis management, business continuity, corporate global security, disaster recovery, pick your poison, is to show, is to connect your actions, your team's strategy to the organization's broader strategies. And if you can show that and you live that day in, day out, you don't have people running around saying, what does Bray do? Exactly. What does the business continuity team do? What? How do they help us? Why do we have one? What's their value? What's their value? Because they'll know the value. Yep. And I think the sort of the other side of that that coin too is once you've tied it to the objectives, that makes it real within the organization or you know, that solidifies it within the organization. 
the other piece as you go along and understanding the problem is your those solutions that you develop you know we're big proponents on integrating that culturally what fits culturally because if you can get those things to fit culturally they last they're used they become part of what's going on and they embed themselves organically within the day-to-day operations of the business that you know it's sort of mm-hmm. boiling the frog mm-hmm. you know type thing they don't even know that they're now speaking resiliency language in business decisions yep. in day-to-day conversations that's it for this edition of the managing uncertainty podcast episode 171 we'll be back next week with another new episode be well